Dave Holden is with us this morning. Dave leads the New Ground family of churches that we are a part of. He's also an elder uh, in New Community Church in Sidcup. Uh, it does say in his bio about him being a West Ham fan, but it's not fair to highlight his weaknesses, so we're not going to talk about that too much. Um, but we are very blessed to have Dave with us this morning, so let's give him a warm welcome as he comes this morning. Well, thanks, Ian. It's actually the best season we've ever had in living memory, so uh, I'm not talking about There you go. One more. <laughs> um, but it is absolutely wonderful uh, to be back with you again today for this night. We've been, since meetings have started to get back in person again, we've had the joy of travelling around. We were in Liverpool uh, last um, Sunday for the church that uh, we're part of there and had the joy of appointing elders. It's just great to be back on the road and meeting people and praise God for modern technology, but it has its limitations. Um, and this is much, much better to see all of your smiling. Well, I hope you Yeah, some of you are smiling anyway, so it's good. And also, you know, just, I, I appreciate when we travel around a bit, that that I look out and see faces that I've, I've never seen before. Um, and actually some of you have never seen me before of the gap that we've had from these in-person meetings and so I can see nice smiley faces you just you just look a little bit older than you did two years ago <laughs> sorry about that just happens and exactly the same with me as well um, and also uh, just knowing and watching what's happening to Hope, Hope Church over these last couple of years and uh, you know you've had your ups and downs and your difficulties like other churches have just the same but you've emerged out of this stronger and God is with you and you've got new elders and it's just great to hear about baptisms coming up and celebrating you know, 20 years being in this building. It's just absolutely wonderful. We shouldn't take these things for granted. Um, I, uh, uh, as you've heard, I've got the privilege of, of uh, leading the team that leads New Ground Family of Churches. And uh, I think it's not been a easy time the last two years for us we've had to consolidate we've had to do maintenance um you know we've put everything online we've kept in contact with pastors and leaders of churches and different nations as much as we've been able to do i, I think we've come out fairly unscathed um but um it's such a joy already over these last few months to recognize that we're emerging uh that church planting's back on the agenda new nations are knocking on the door, uh, people, you know, being saved and, and, and baptised in water. These are wonderful, wonderful signs of God's hand of blessing upon us. And if you ever get the chance, you know, with all this technology you keep hearing about, go onto the New Ground website and you will there find all loads of information about what God's doing across churches. Yeah. I think one of, the, one of the great things about being in a family of churches is it stops you just centering on your immediate vicinity. And it's actually very healthy for us to lift up our heads and see what God is doing. I happen to be part of a, a crisis support group for Ukraine. So all these guys you've been seeing are on this video. We have been absolutely day by day in touch and doing our own part. Church is actually giving thousands of pounds if you have. And can I just say this, it's like, like three months from now, six months from now, that's where those needs will be really, really kicking in. The danger is we just respond in the now now and forget that actually those needs will continue in, into the future. Actually, New Ground Churches in Holland just bust out a whole load of 
uh, materials and aids and medical supplies to the very church that you've just been looking at there. It's been a remarkable few weeks watching the way that the church has responded um, to the needs of, of what's been a terrible, terrible time and continues to be so in the nation of Ukraine. And just slip this one quick, I've got to get to the sermon, we're going to run out of time. But um, uh, you may not know this, but New Frontiers uh, years ago kind of multiplied into multiple teams of apostolic ministry, and one of them was Russian-speaking world, which means all the guys in the Russian-speaking world all used to come together for celebrations and for training of leaders, etc. And that's right across the whole, that's Russia and Ukraine. So just think about that for a moment. Suddenly there's war and you and your brothers and sisters have been meeting together regularly to pray and minister to one another. Suddenly it's all destroyed. So it's, it's not just the case of praying for all our dear friends in Ukraine, but don't forget those in Russia who love Jesus, of which there are multiple, multiple millions of people. Yeah. And they themselves are in this real dilemma um, watching all this go on. Okay, I've entitled uh, my preach uh, today, Signs on Earth, and what is our response? It would be most remiss of me, I think, to not preach for a little while into the world that you and I are now living in, which is a very different world to the last time I preached in Hope Church, which was the 22nd of September, 2019. And it's amazing to think of what's happened between the last time I was standing here preaching and where we are today. It was almost two years ago that my wife was running a, uh, a new ground women's conference called Fearless. I don't know if any of you were actually at uh, that conference. It's one of the super spreader events of the moment. And, uh, it nearly didn't happen. We didn't know where to go ahead with it or not, but we kind of did and it was great. It's just that strange to think 400 women gathered in a meeting and again, where we are today. And unsurprisingly, scripture has a lot to say about these last two years. And it not only addresses the issues better than any social media website, but it also gives solutions. And what I want today is just to take a few moments to, to go to some scriptures, to home us in on this. But my main aim is really about what should our, as Christians, what should our response be to the age in which we live? So this is a bit missional and apostolic, but hopefully very pastoral at the same time. So if you have your Bibles with you, Matthew chapter 24, and uh, I'm just going to read these verses. I can see they're really ahead of me. We go to some churches and they're always behind. There are other churches that are always ahead. So It says this, as he sat down, Matthew 24 verse 3, on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign, notice the sign that we're talking about, of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ. And they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumours of wars. See that you are not alarmed, for this must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. And all these are but the beginning of 
the birth pains. Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Just quickly, one parallel scripture in Luke chapter 21, and Jesus again speaking, and in verse 9 it says this, And when you hear of wars and tumults, do not be terrified, for these things must first take place, but the end will not be at once. And then he said to them, Nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be earthquakes and in various places famines and pestilences, and there will be terrors and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogue and prisons, and you will be brought before kings and governors for my name's sake. This will be your opportunity to bear witness. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, verse 25 of chapter 21, and there will be signs in in sun and moon and stars and on the earth, signs on the earth, distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world. Any of you know anybody like this? For the powers of the heavens will be shaken and then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. You know, I became a Christian in 1972 and in 1972 the world was kind of dominated by this sense of fear because we were in a nuclear warfare potential situations. Some of you were not even alive, but there's plenty of you, I think, that probably were. So you might remember these times. And genu you know, genuinely, people lived with a sense of imminent ending of something. You know, it could be just a few moments and the world could kind of finish. Barry Maguire had a song called The Eve of Destruction, and it was number one. Can you believe it? Imagine someone singing now on, you know, YouTube, Eve of Destruction. It's kind of like the, the, the world in which we live was, was just... And these verses of Scripture that I've just read to you were often preached about in churches. Books were written about this. The most popular books were about Jesus coming back and about urgency and about the end of the age. Um, you know, these were times when... There was a sense of something about to happen and we needed to be aware of it and even prepared for it. Now roll on 50 years from there, there's hardly any, I find there's hardly any mention of this. There's hardly any churches that talk about the imminent return of Jesus. That's not a criticism, it's just an observation. It would be true of myself and our home church back in London. It's like very little mention of it and yet now, we seem to be getting closer and closer to something that would demand from us a sense of looking at these things again and finding out what God is saying. 
Can I remind you, we believe that Jesus is coming back, in case any of you have forgotten. <laughs> Can I remind you that when Jesus comes back, it'll be the end of all things because there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. When Jesus comes back, there'll be no second chance. There'll be a judgment, which is a good judgment because it will be the end of all wars and tears and death and sickness. I'm grateful that the one who gets to judge is our Heavenly Father because I trust him to know that his judgment will be just and will be true. And also uh, that coming again of Jesus will come because the gospel has been proclaimed to all the earth and people have had the opportunity to either respond or to reject. And if you know any of your stats, you'll know even that gospel going to the ends of the earth is far further on than when I was here two years ago preaching and much further on since 1972. So actually these scriptures don't lose their power, they actually gain something. And when I look back at 2019, just two and a bit years ago, and I compare it to the world that we're living in right now, it's absolutely remarkable that in just two years, so much disruption and so much uncertainty has come to pass. And I, I don't know about you, but back in 2009, my, my life was pretty predictable. I kind of knew what was coming next. I felt slightly in control of things. It was a very safe world, a very certain world, a very peaceful world. I can't say any of that to you now in 2022. It's a very unsafe world. It's a very uncertain world. It's a very unpredictable world, and in case you haven't noticed it, we don't feel like we're in control of anything very much anymore. And so, in just a two-year period, why? Why has this happened? What on earth is going on? What, what, is, what is the point of all of this uncertainty and disrupt, disruption and people all around us? I mean... That verse I just read to you, fainting with fear for the foreboding of what is coming on the earth. I mean, that could have been, been written last yesterday, yeah. but it was written 2,000 years ago. Because actually, these truths are just as real today as when they were first mentioned. So today I want to just answer the question, why are these things happening? And then secondly, I just want to answer the question, what should our response be? Be to those things. So, first of all, why are these things? Why are these things happening? And I'm sure there are many, many reasons. If we did a poll around this room, we'd all come up with very valid, lots and lots of reasons. But I'm a preacher, so I'm just going to give you three. The first is Jesus is coming back. Whether we talk about him coming back or not doesn't make the slightest bit of difference. Whether you're in age where everyone's besotted with the return of Jesus or not, that doesn't change anything. He really is coming back. And did you notice in verse 8 of Matthew, it says, these things are like the birth pains. I've been, I've been through four of these. <laughs> I was there when my wife's been through four of these. And, and the birth pains, the thing I do now, I'm trying to be ignorant, is the increase they just increase. You watch Call the Midwife, you know what I'm talking about. The, the increase, the inevitable coming to the end because it's not the end of nothing, it's the end of something potentially wonderful, the birth of something. 
So again, whether you like it or not, the earthquakes and the pestilences and the famines and all these things that are spoken about, they don't decrease. They actually increase. You and I have just lived in the potential increase of a number of things over the last two years. Is that not significant? Because it means that Jesus is coming back. We need to be aware of this. Christians, in my estimation, are, when it comes to the second coming of Jesus and prophetic, apocalyptic kind of thinking, they go a bit weird. And there are lots of Christians that go really odd and strange and get taken off into all kinds of tangents. You know, this means that, and that means this. It's very intriguing, but it doesn't actually change your neighbour. It doesn't actually do very much for Seven Oaks if a bunch of Christians hidden away are all intrigued by the latest thoughts. That is not the purpose about Jesus coming back. What the purpose is for us to keep it simple, please listen, this is important, the signs are simple and well catalogued. They're not weird, they're not strange, they're very earthbound. So what are these signs? Wars and rumours of wars. I was on a call to South Africa uh, last Friday and uh, a lot of pastors were talking and they're asking me about Europe and Ukraine and everything. So I was telling them stuff and they said, some of our folk have had a bit of a kickback on it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, it's very interesting what's happening in Europe, but actually there's been wars in northern Mozambique and in northern Sudan and northern Ethiopia and in the Congo. And they just listed off all these places where you see, we in the West live in a little bubble. Things like this don't happen to us. Wars and rumours of wars have been going on yeah. all over the world in the last right. 10 years, more yeah. than ever before. You only hear about things when they get near to home. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, those folk who said the kickback, I said on this Zoom call, do you know what? I think they've got a real point. Yeah. I just think it's important that we understand that this has been going on everywhere. This is science. Wars and rumours of wars. Earthquakes, famines. Did you notice that verse that said about the raging of the sea? We just sang actually a minute ago that some line, I can't remember exactly what it was, but when the oceans roar, I will not be afraid you, you know, you're with me. And a climate change, and I'll be very careful about this, <laughs> uh, and we'll get back to this in a moment, but a climate change atmosphere is merely commenting on the fragility and the vulnerability of our planet. That there will be waves and the roaring of the seas. I find it very intriguing that Jesus talks about this. And then here's another sign, pestilence. So I looked up, what does pestilence mean? And it says the same in all the things I looked up online. Listen, this is the interpreter, a contagious or epidemic disease. Does that ring any bells? And then perplexity is a sign. Uh, a perplexity, a fainting with fear of what's coming on, uh, a sense of despair. Uh, we're living in an age of huge mental health issues. And there are many reasons why that one of them is this. Without even being able to articulate it, why is, pe why is people's mental health good? It's because there's fear lurking behind it. False Christs is another sign. False doctrines, I would describe as deception, happening all over the place. 
About this time, there's an increasing opposition to the gospel. This is a very great preach this morning, isn't it? An increasing opposition to the gospel, to the church. Persecution may not be happening to us right now, but I'm trying to labor the point. It is happening right now. If you're a Christian in China right now, persecution has gone back to as bad as it was in the Cultural Revolution. That's what all the Christians are telling us. All the buildings have been closed, it's all gone underground. These, these are real times for real people living right now. I'll just mention one more sign, a sign of lawlessness. Seems to be a sign before Jesus returns of living in a lawless society. <clears throat> just want to read this passage to you, 2 Timothy 3. I, I'm not even going to comment on it, I just let it float over your heads and see if you can. <laughs> 2 Timothy 3 verse 1, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. Just pause there for a moment. <laughs> for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, not looking around anybody, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. These are signs. I just submit to you this morning that there is more evidence of the return of Jesus than ever before. And you know, every sign I've just mentioned, if none of them were happening, we wouldn't bother to talk about it. But they're all happening. And they're all increasing. And they're even happening in our little Western bubble. We don't like it. It's invading us. But it actually is real as what Jesus talked about. The second reason as to why I believe all of these things are happening is because of the inevitable effects of sin and the fact that we live in a dying planet. You have to understand that the planet is a little bit like the mother about to give birth. The planet is dying because there's a new earth. And so the, the great news is as the planet kind of dies and gives up, oh, it's because there's something more glorious and beautiful. This is a fallen world. It's not perfect. It's not what God's intention is for us forever in eternity. And so we find in, in, in passages like, uh, I'll just read quickly to you, Romans uh, chapter 8. It says there in verse 20, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole of creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. So this is describing the planet that we live on. And so when this planet is inevitably dying, climate change obviously becomes a massive big issue, and rightly so. What should Christians response be to a dying planet or to great concerns about, about climate change. It should be a good response. It should be a responsible response. It should be as stewards 
that we have a responsibility to steward the creation of God that God has given to us. But when it becomes a cause that's almost overwhelming and you're besotted with it, you're missing something of the point. A doctor will do everything he or she can to increase and save a person's life and give them health, even though they know sometimes that person is inevitably going to die. It's called palliative care. That to me is what we should be like as Christians here on this planet, but we hold it lightly knowing that one day, just like you and I will die this planet, that's why I can't live for this alone, climate change. I recognize it, I'm concerned about it, I give myself to it, but you and I as Christians are part of a kingdom that is eternal. It goes beyond whatever happens to this planet. You're all looking quite friendly, so I don't think I've tried it too many times. And folks, listen, humanity, it's not just about the world dying. Humanity itself has been encrusted with sin. And the only way out of that is what we were thinking about during our worship. That the blood of Jesus can forgive you for your sins and your sins can be eradicated and removed. If you're in a world where the majority of people are not like that, it has an inevitable effect. It's why you have man-made conflicts and dictators. Because basically in the heart of men is this sense of sin that is actually increasing. It's not a good day to be a humanist right now. Humanists believe that man is evolving into something better. Uh, all the verses I've just read to you, I can't find one that says that. I would argue that it's actually the opposite. Obviously, it's increasingly getting worse in humanity. But listen to this, God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And it's not so God loved the planet, it's that God loved the peoples of the world. And as Christians, we must love all people, whoever they are, whatever their background, totally inclusive. Because you and I were privileged to come to know Jesus as Saviour, and that means anybody else can as well. Third response of my three, uh, sorry, third uh, reason as to why this is happening is a strange one. It might surprise you, but it's the grace of God. What, what do I mean by that? Well, there's more to life than this. It seems to be what heaven is screaming to the planet right now. There's more to life than this. It's like a massive wake-up call. All these signs on earth, these earthquakes and famines and pestilences and wars and rumours of wars and people fainting with fear. And it's all for a reason that people might wake up from this slumber, that they might lift their heads, that they might look around and ask big questions like what is the meaning of life? And It's like COVID happened two years ago. I think COVID's been a massive wake-up call for our nation. It's like people discovered death. And I don't mean that glibly. In those early days, people are offended that people were dying. People die! It's kind of, that happens. It's like we live in a planet where it doesn't happen. It does happen. And if COVID doesn't get you, something else will eventually. But it's God's grace. I felt that so strongly in those early days. God's saying, wake up, everybody. You're living in a slumber. You think you're going to live forever. But you're not going to live forever. Wake up. There's an answer to death itself, which is in the gospel. And then you, you come out of COVID and we all think, thank goodness for that. Now we can get back to our lives and suddenly there's a war in Europe. 
It's, it's like the aftermath of COVID is hard enough to struggle to find answers to, and now we've got a potential war on our doorstep with all the devastation that that causes. And even the aftermath and even this moment of wars and rumors of war, I believe it's God's grace. Reaching out. And everything that can be shaken is being shaken because it's temporary and it's fading. And because there is eternity, and it's like God is saying to the whole planet, I want you to learn how to love me and stay and be with me for eternity. It's just a wonderful gift and opportunity for, you know, secular, um, cynical Westerns to realize there is a God full of love and full of grace. Yeah. You still with me? Okay. That's our response. That's some of the reasons to why it's happening. But what should, according to Scripture, our response be to these things? And there will be many, but here we go, just three. <laughs> First is this. Do not fear. Do not fear. I'm talking to those of us who know that we're born again, that we're children of God. Did you notice some of the phrases that we used when you hear these things when you observe these things do not be alarmed it says do not be terrified you're not supposed to be terrified or alarmed you're not supposed to be one of those people fainting with fear or foreboding for what is coming on the world and don't get me wrong as christians we need to be informed i i, I really struck with christians who bury their head in the sand and just living Christian meetings. <laughs> you, you've really got to be informed. I mean, we are, aren't we? We're probably overwhelmed by the news all around us. But we need to understand what's going on in our world. And we need to be affected by it, which is why you watch these scenes mm. of, of families in basements being bombed. You're a very strange person if that doesn't really get to you. Do you want to do something about it? So we need to, Christians need to be informed and we need to be affected in the right way. But we are not meant to be shaped by it. We are not meant to be ever overwhelmed by it. You see, our reaction to these signs on earth that are going on all around us should be very different to those who do not know Jesus. And this is a real challenge for all of us. How come our response should be different? I think the answer is in one word, nevertheless. It's a, it's a word that should be written over all our lives. Things happen, we hear about it, we get affected about it, and straight away there's a nevertheless. And I'll just give you one example. Nevertheless, God says, I am with you. The very fact that you know God is with you in everything in the midst of what's happening on the earth causes you and I to have a totally different response to those who are around us. It really should be remarkably different. I have to say, it hasn't always been in my life. It may not have been in your life. But of course, when you do not know God, you do not know that you have a Heavenly Father. I totally get why people can be overcome by fear. But if you do know God, and the fact that he is with you. And incidentally, the most often quoted promise in scripture is this. Fear not, 
for I am with you. There's a reason that it's mentioned most often. It's because the potential to fear is very real. But fear not. All right, I'm trying really hard to fear not. That's never going to work. The reason you can fear not is because God is with you. There's never been a day throughout the whole of these last two years where God has neglected you and has not been with you. You may have felt you know, separated from your Christian family. You were never separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. He never abandoned you for every day of your life. He prayed for you that your faith might not fail and that you will be strong. This is our first response that we should not fear. Listen to what Jesus said in John 16, verse 33. I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Your uh, scripture may have another translation. In the world you may have trouble. Listen to this, but take heart. I have overcome the world. This Jesus who is with you has overcome everything that you and I face. So do not fear because he's gone before us and he is with us in the midst of all that we have been going through. It's a promise. In the world you will have tribulation. I don't see that on many people's fridges these days. Here's a promise. In the world you will have trouble. Oh, hallelujah. The second part is that the reason that you don't fear is because God is with you. COVID's been an interesting two years for us as Christians. I think it's absolutely right that we have modelled to many cautious, kind, uh, common sense, following the laws of the government. But here's, here's my little addition to it. I've watched Christians do all of that, fantastic, but then cross over a line sometimes. And the line is fear. And Christians should never <laughs> go from caution to fear. Because when you are full of fear, it's a terrible thing. It robs you of faith, of life, of joy, of peace. And maybe there's a new kind of church emerging out of two years of this pandemic. And maybe it's a church that's just obviously not perfect, all ups and downs, but a little bit more courageous a little less fearful it's kind of we went through this we got you know we got through this i know we're still not through this but you know what i mean and it's like something was put into us as the family of god and one of the things was that we learned not to cross that line and get into fear so please we we are in a situation where we encourage one another we're kind to one another we're patient with one another everyone in this room has got a different kind of journey and story about but please, I'm sure I'm confident God's word says, but do not give in to fear. The second thing that comes from Luke 21, verse 28. Now, when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads because your redemption is drawing nigh. I find this fascinating. First of all, do not fear. Secondly, straighten up, raise your heads. In other words, our response to all that's going on around us is not go into yourself. It is not go downwards or go into a pool of despair. You see, if our response as Christians is pretty much the same to everybody else around us when we hear these terrible stories of bad news, this is not good. 
It's pointless. In other words, what's the point of us even being here on this planet, living in Seven Oaks, if our response is the same as everybody else's, because actually no one's going to notice that you even exist. But if the church's response is when you hear these things and you're affected by them, we don't give in and go down, but we straighten up and we lift up our heads. People in our world are really going to notice that difference. Even, can I just say this? I'm in a very preachy mood this morning. I don't know why. I, I just, I don't have any opportunities probably, but even, I've even spoken to Christians over the last few weeks who felt guilty about coming to church on Sundays and worshipping God because of what's going on in Ukraine. It's kind of like, should we really rejoice? Should we really even worship? You know, there's these terrible things going on in the world as if the Christian church has stopped doing the other things that God has told us to do because we feel a bit guilty. We feel guilty that we're in freedom. We feel guilty that we've got peace. We feel guilty, etc. All I can say to you on the basis of this verse, Luke 21, 28, when it says, straighten up and raise your heads, is because this is, shows you that your redemption, the return of Jesus, is nearer than you last thought it was. And the point of that is we then do more, not less, of what we know that we should do as Christians. So in other words, when there's terrible things going around in the world, and they are really terrible, I'm not being glib about it, we know that then. we should worship more, yeah, yeah. not less. We should pray more, not less. We should run to more meetings and not less. When your small group opens up, get there. We should encourage us one another more than we used to. So when you're hearing what's bad news, it's not for the Christians. Oh no, straighten up, lift your heads. More, more, more of the things that you did less, less, less of. <laughs> you know, you, you hear the news and go, oh, I don't know if we should worship. Worship, because there are there's a, there's a there's a whole crowd of people out there that need you and me to worship because when we worship, Jesus is exalted and they might come to find him in the audience. And when we worship, the presence of God is amongst us yeah. and people will come and tangibly experience the presence of God. Yeah. But they walk in here and we're all despairing. <laughs> That's what they're hearing from all their friends. They don't need to hear it from you. Yeah. They need to hear something tangibly right. different. Hallelujah. Yeah. This is not a time for Christians to back off. Mm. I've watched some of my friends in the last two years kind of go away from church because it's difficult rather than leaning into. This is an age for more. More commitment to the gospel. More commitment to mission. And I totally understand we're still in a, in a, in a season of recovering. We all are from what has gone on in these last few years and still is. But the recovery is most helped by a fresh encounter of the Holy Spirit. And so as we gather, I'm, I'm so thrilled to see the signs around many churches actually cancelling things and putting more times to just wait on the Holy Spirit because it renews us and re-energizes us. But it's not an end in itself. It's a means to an end that we will be better equipped and more match fit so that we can go out and reach this generation that do not know the gospel or the good news of Jesus Christ. Do not fear, straighten up, 
lift your heads more of what you should do rather than less. Thirdly and finally, we should proclaim and demonstrate the gospel. Quickly, some of those verses we read right at the beginning, Matthew 24 verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole earth as a testimony to all nations, and then the end shall come. In other words, a response that we should have is to talk to people more about Jesus rather than less. Because it's, it's, Jesus will come when the whole world has heard, has heard this news. Luke 21 verse 13 just said in post, this is even when you get persecuted and you come to the authorities. <laughs> this will be an opportunity for you to bear witness. <laughs> There's no backing off the gospel. It's just more opportunities to share the good news of Jesus. Romans 1 16, we all know this verse, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's never been a clearer opportunity for us to unashamedly talk to people about Jesus and what he's done in our lives. One-on-one conversations with people. Are people more open to the gospel as a result of what we've been going through these last two and a bit years? Maybe. Some of you found that maybe a little bit more inquisitive. Or might, you know, I think a lot of people have found that <laughs> As soon as COVID's finished or finishing, we've all gone kind of gone. We're not asking the questions we heard. Whatever's going on in the world, because Jesus said there will be signs on earth, there will be more people open to the gospel than ever. Mm. Whatever your experience is right now, it's not less but more. Because people are going to get desperate. People are going to look and going to want to know what this life is all about. And those are the moments when we engage with people and we genuinely have great conversations with them. And beyond proclamation, I'm just coming to a close, beyond proclamation there's also demonstration. In other words, you can speak many words to people, but we live in an age where people need to see you and me going through the same things that they're going through, as we've all just gone through these last two years. And actually it's through our weakness that the authenticity of the gospel is seen. It's when you don't feel you're the greatest evangelist and when you don't feel that you're doing really well and when you don't feel, you know, when you feel you're messing up and your emotions are up and down, that does not disqualify you from being able to share the good news of the gospel with your friends. You can use these words, but they're watching our lives as well. I'll finish with this, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 7. I, this is a scripture I've gone back to again and again over the last couple of years. For we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, and struck down, but not destroyed. And the reason this scripture is so important for you and me, going through all the troubles that we go through, is that we go through these things like everybody else for a reason. And the reason is, the difference is, in you, jar of clay, there is treasure. And that treasure is seen. That treasure is Jesus. It's the kingdom of God. It's, it's salvation. It's what everyone in the world is looking for. And you've got it in you. And you think, I'm just a, I'm just a jar of clay. I'm just, I'm just so ordinary. Yes. That's the point. The difference between the jar of clay and the treasure is remarkable. There's too many Christians trying to look like the treasure all the time. Every time you try to look more like the treasure, you hide the treasure. Mm. 
Every time you go, oh Lord, please forgive me, I'm weakened, the treasure starts to be seen. And as, as a church, as Hope Church, we've got to realise that in our awareness of our ordinariness and our weaknesses and our up and downness, nevertheless, the light of God is shining through us. And through our imperfection and through our identity, identity with people around us, what we're going on, something needs to be displayed. And something will be displayed. You've got hope in a hopeless world. You've got light in a world of darkness. You've got joy, not some flippant little feeling, real, genuine, inexpressible joy in you that the world is desperately looking for. You and I have peace. We've heard in our worship, we've received rest. There's a contentment about us as God's people. We've received grace. We're displaying freedom. We're displaying wisdom. We're displaying how to live life. What assurance we have of, of, of everything beyond this life. And all of these things are possible, not because you and I worked it out and became that sort of person. They're all possible because of the initiation of Jesus breaking into our lives with his grace. It's all his initiative. And if you're someone here today and you do not know Jesus and you're desperate for hope and light and forgiveness and desperate for grace and desperate no longer to be fainting with fear, about what's coming on the earth. You can know this too. This room is full of people who have come to know it, not because they're good, but because Jesus has broken into their lives. And he can break into your life as well. We live in a broken world. We live in a world where community is broken and relationships are broken, particularly in the Western world. We live in a world where, you know, it's all kind of falling apart, really. And I rejoice that they're going to find the people of God, with all of our diversity, with all of our differences, displaying not a broken world, but a united world in Jesus Christ. Yeah. Let's pray together. Yeah. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the absolute joy and overwhelming privilege that those of us who are your children in this room today can know on a daily basis whether we're doing well, whether we're not, whether we're having a good week or a bad week, all these things are irrelevant to the fact that you're with us, you've invaded our lives. This has been a very difficult, odd, perplexing couple of years there's much that we have yet to learn much that we have yet to discover about what you've done but this morning just want to acknowledge that even in a world of uncertainty a lack of safety surrounded by fear surrounded by bad news surrounded by people who have suffered surrounded by poverty surrounded by an increasing sense of everywhere you put your foot it just shakes again we remind ourselves that jesus you came into that kind of world two thousand years ago nothing's changed and you still come into the lives of multitudes of people all over this planet 
And it's for a reason, it's a, for, so that we might understand the times in which we live. I do pray that some of us have got stirred this morning mm. to realize it's not just news, it's about you. <clears throat> it's about this planet and its fragility. Help us to see the signs on earth. Help us to embrace urgency. Help us to not be in despair, but to be people who straighten up and raise our heads. Lord, I pray for anybody here this morning, Christians as well as non-Christians, who have, know they've crossed the line of fear, that you will deliver them and that you'll set them free by your word this morning. Yeah. And I pray for each of us today that we would once again be overwhelmed by your grace and mercy. And please, can we have wonderful opportunities to share your grace and mercy with our friends, our family around us. Be able to say to them in the midst of the news and their despair, do you know what? There's hope. There's really genuine hope that you can find only in Jesus Christ. Flood us, Lord, we pray today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 We show appreciation for Dave. Um, I hope that really stirred you and encouraged you. Uh, that will be going up on the uh, website and the podcasts and Spotify and various other platforms that is now available on YouTube. So I just recommend you actually watch and listen to that again, just to help you in this time.